I recently wrote an article about an experience I had that brought out a lot of unanticipated emotion. Someone innocently commented on how Betty looked, and it was like this surge of complex feelings came to the surface all at once and totally caught me off guard. I know that things like that can happen to anyone, but I don't know, maybe it's a little more common in the special needs world. Today I'm chatting with Kira about her three children and their needs. She's 11 years into this journey and has dealt with three very different diagnoses. She's also had one of those emotional experiences recently, something that seemed innocent and even joyful to everyone around her. And she was surprised when she felt reluctance and frustration at what had happened. It's an insightful story, so stay with us. In January of 2013, my baby girl Betty was born. Later we discovered she had a chromosomal deletion that would affect the rest of her life. I created this podcast to share the stories and struggles of special needs children and their families. This is episode 5 of Bringing Up Betty. I'm Sarah Evans. Kira and her husband Joel met in college. They've been married for 11 years and have three beautiful red-headed kids. Juliana is 11, Blake is 8, and Nathan is 2. Kira stays home with the kids and her husband teaches English at a local high school. They live in Southern California and sound like a pretty normal American family. But for Kira, her journey into motherhood has been nothing like she thought it would be. Over the 11 years that I've been a mom, it's been nothing what I expected it to be. Kira came from a very typical family. No one had any developmental concerns or major health issues. So that is what she expected for her own children. So to have kids that each had their own set of challenges has been a lot more than I can handle a lot of times, but I'm, I'm just doing the best that I can. Three kids, three very distinct sets of challenges. Here's what Kira is talking about. First, there's Juliana. My oldest daughter has been diagnosed with a lot of things on the autism spectrum. Tourette's and stereotypic movement disorder, um, OCD, uh, sensory processing disorder. There's a lot of things that are kind of going on with her, but um, she's made a lot of progress in the 11 years that we've, you know, raised her and her family. Then Blake. And my son Blake is eight now, and he is probably the least of our worries, but his first couple of years were really scary for our family because he had, um, he was born with a rare blood disorder and it's called mastocytosis. And basically his mast cells in his blood contain too many histamines and they build up in his blood and they're released through the skin. And it caused him as a baby to basically turn red from head to toe. And it's called flushing. And he would have blisters and then the skin um, would end up having little spots that kind of formed all over his body and he still has them but they they fade as he reaches adolescence so we're getting closer to that mark where it's so it's a childhood disease and basically by the time he reaches adolescence 
no one will know that he even had it, but it has been a challenge for him because it does affect the way he looks and it, it kind of affects the way he thinks about himself too. So we've had to have a lot of talks about that with him, but otherwise he's doing great. And then Nathan. My youngest little boy, he was born with a cleft palate, not a cleft lip, and it came out of nowhere. We were not expecting it at all. It doesn't run in our family. We just found out after he was born because he wasn't able to nurse at all. And the nurses were able to look up in his mouth and saw the the opening in his palate. And he has what's called a bilateral, a bilateral cleft, and it's complete. So it goes from the front to the back, and it split his uvula in two. And he's had his surgery, but he will have a lot of doctor visits for most of his life. So he's got a lot of things going on, too. He's in speech therapy, and he's making a ton of progress, too. Blake and Nathan's diagnoses came pretty quickly because their symptoms were so distinct and isolated. But Juliana was another story. Oh, it was a long process. Um, it seemed like every person we took her to would have a different answer for us. And it was really frustrating because we didn't know exactly how to help her. And what I found is with a child on the autism spectrum, you're not really guided, you know, by anybody. It's, it's kind of like you're thrown out there and you don't really know what to do most of the time. And because every child that has autism is so different and so unique and you can't put them all in one category. So raising them is very individual. They all have different likes, dislikes, and um, different behaviors that you have to deal with. So it's, it's, um, that's been really challenging, but you know, I've definitely sought out many doctors over the years in many different places to get more understanding for her. And I, f- I finally stopped doing that because it just became too overwhelming. And it, it was almost like I was getting too much information and I, I didn't really know what to do with it anymore. I just decided, you know, I'm just going to be her mom and treat her the way I feel she needs to be treated and, and not worry so much about the diagnosis because she is who she is and there's not much I can do about it. So I just want to raise her like any other child and just make modifications as I go. Of course, having a child with a lot of behavioral challenges can take a huge toll. And with that toll, the lessons come. I've had to learn patience in a whole new way. I I still don't think I have patience, but I'm you have to take each situation at a time and um, deal with it the best way you can. Every day, you don't know what to expect. You don't. Sometimes you can't predict what's going to set her off or throw her into a tantrum, even at 11 years old. And so you kind of feel like you're tiptoeing around, trying your best to keep her happy all the time. And that can be draining because you you can't always discipline her the same way you can other kids. She doesn't respond the same way. And so you have to be very creative and very, very careful as well in the way you treat her. Because if you want to keep peace in your home, it's almost impossible unless you can predict what's going to set her off or whatever. So it's it's just a lot of trial and error. Most of us think of all the therapies for kids as benefiting them, helping them progress and develop. And therapy certainly does that. But Kira found an unexpected benefit in all those therapies, one for herself as a mom. 
a lot of the therapy she's gotten over the years has really helped me know how to how to deal with things and I'm really glad that I've gotten that because without it I would would be really lost. So um therapy has helped. Kira has found support through her family, friends, her church, and her community. With my family, I talk to them enough to where they don't really ask questions that much because they kind of know what I'm dealing with. I when I when I have hard times or hard days, I'll call up my mom or my one of my sisters or something and just talk to them about it. And I have another sister who has a child with some um, special needs as well. So we can talk about things and we understand each other. It's different for the people you talk to, you know, with your family, you feel like you can be open. But as far as like with school, you know, that's my probably my favorite place because they all get her. They're around her more than I am, you know, almost. And so they know her really well. And they always have really good advice and have been really helpful most of the time. Um, and giving her the help she needs. And it's, we've lived in the same area for 10 years. She's gone to the same school her whole life. And it's very familiar and everyone knows her well. And, you know, people at church, we all know her. They've all seen her grow up here. So I like that. I think it's good for her to have a very stable setting like that where people are are familiar and comfortable. And if we ever did move to a new place, I think it would be really scary for me because I would have to explain everything. You know, I feel like right now I don't really have to because everyone is so familiar with her and, and, and what I go through pretty much. Like many special needs moms, she also writes a blog where she can be candid and honest and sort out all of her feelings. I write a blog and I feel like I can be open because I'm just writing to whoever is interested in hearing. You know, if people don't want to know, then they won't read it. If people are interested in what it's like, then that's why I'm doing it because I want other people to be aware of what it really is like and how it can affect me as a mom and and how it can affect a family. But I I do feel a need to write about it so that other people can learn. And when they come across a child on the spectrum, they can be more, you know, educated and, and maybe know how to treat them. Having an outlet is an important way to deal with the constant demands of parenting. But having an outlet is also important for children. And sometimes when your child has special needs, those outlets in the community can be hard to find. Juliana has a close group of friends at school and church, but... As far as other things, like in the community, that has been my biggest fear for her. And I think it's because I I want to protect her too much. <laughs> I want to... I worry too much about um, what people will think, and I worry about what she might do in front of people. It, and so it's been all these years, it's been something that I've never really pursued um, until recently when she, um, I decided that I was going to let her try playing softball on a real team with regular girls. So this was something that I had never done before, and it was probably the scariest thing I've ever done with her. From my experience in parenting a typical child... When they want to play a sport, you simply sign them up. When there are accommodations to be made, well, it can get a little more complicated. I first kind of did some research about, I wanted to see if there were any teams that had like special needs kids. And I had found one in our area, but it was going to be like mixed ages from, you know, as young as kindergarten up through high school. And I didn't think that would be right for her. So I pursued just our local recreation center. My son, Blake, has played sports there for years, and she's gone to all the games and practices. And 
And the last couple of years, she said, oh, I really want to play softball. Um, and I thought, okay, well, how are we going to do that? You know, I, I really didn't know how it could even work. Um, because again, people in the community, they don't know enough about kids that have autism or other needs. They, and it's hard to accommodate them, you know, on a team and, and make it work. So I had to first talk to the person in charge of softball and feel, you know, get a feel for what he thought about the whole thing. And I told him about Juliana and, and what I would had hoped to accomplish with this. And he thought it would be okay. And, um, he said, there are times when people do this for their special needs kids. And so we, um, took her to registration day and she got to see some of the girls out there doing their kind of tryout thing. And I could tell she was getting really anxious, really scared. And she started to say that she did not want to do it. And I thought, okay, maybe this is my way out. And I really was so close to just leaving with her and not even pursuing it. I thought, if she doesn't want to do it, then I, it's fine. I'm not going to do it either because I really didn't want to. I was too scared, just like her. But um, something inside me said, you know what? I'm just going to push her a little bit. I'm, I'm going to bribe her, whatever it takes. I'm, I, we have to do this. We have to say that we've tried this. And so um, we signed her up and... Um, in the next couple of weeks, we were able to talk with her coach on the team. And as soon as the coach called me on the phone, phone, I just, I knew that this was going to be okay. He ha- he was just very um, kind, patient. His voice was very soothing and understanding and, and he wasn't out to win or compete. It was all about having fun and, and teaching the girls how to play. And that's exactly what I wanted for her. So, um, from then we just, you know, put her through the regular process. You know, we went to practice and the assistant coach helped her every step of the way. And without even being asked, you know, she just jumped right in there and knew that Juliana needed more help. And, and so it, um, I'm just so grateful that she was able to do that and willing to. And a lot of the girls also helped her and made her feel more comfortable and, when she went up to bat, they would let the coach pitch to her and they would kind of help her get lined up in the right spot and and um, make sure that she would be able to try hitting the ball. And she was able to hit the ball almost every time because the coach was pitching to her and it was a really great experience for everybody. And just to see her learning this new skill and, and um, playing on a team. And um, the season's over now, but I think... I'm not going to be as scared if I, you know, decide to pursue something like this again, because I know that she's capable. And I think the more I do expose her to things like this, she's just going to develop even more social skills. So I need to get over that fear, you know, and just not be afraid to let her try new things because it's not just her that learns, but it's everyone around that, that learns from her and, and how to, how to, how to help and, and treat people like her. So it's, it's good for everybody that's involved, I think. Overall, Kira felt like Juliana's first season of softball, her first time being on a team, was a success. But there was one incident that brought out some emotions in Kira that she wasn't expecting. Well, it was kind of toward the end of the season. And um, usually what happens at, at each game is the, the coaches from both teams meet up and they talk about um, any anything that the other team needs to know. And they usually would say, 
that we have a child that has special needs and we do make a few accommodations for her. And as long as the other coach agrees, then they go forward and they do what they had done at every game. And so we're sitting there watching and, um, it was her second time up to bat and she hit the ball off the pitch and it went, it usually goes just, you know, a few feet into the, into the diamond. And so she started running to first base like she usually does. And the pitcher overthrew the ball. And at first I wasn't sure if it was on purpose uh, or not, but I was excited. She made it to first base. Usually she gets there and we're always really proud of her. And, um, but because they overthrew the ball, she got to run to second base and they overthrew again. <laughs> and she started continuing to run to third. And when she reached third base, my husband and I looked at each other and thought, wait a second, they're doing this on purpose. They're giving her a home run. And it's really interesting because most parents, I think, would be really happy or I'm not sure what the emotion is, but proud, excited, like, oh, this is a big moment. But I wasn't at all. And my husband wasn't either. And um, I had to walk away from the the bleachers and I just started crying. I couldn't hold it in. And so I was trying to figure out why I was so emotional over this. And after I was able to calm down, I was able to talk to her coach and I could tell that he wasn't happy with what the other team did. And, and I told him that I wasn't either. And so we, we kind of both agreed that it wasn't the right thing to let her get a free home run. And I'm sure a lot of parents would totally disagree with me. And there were some on my blog that did. Here is one such comment from the blog. I was at this game and experienced firsthand what I thought was an amazing show of sportsmanship from the other team. I had tears of joy in my eyes because I was overcome with emotion that good people still exist. If you don't have a special needs child, you can see this moment as, you know, this team did a great thing. They did a, a great thing for this child. And, you know, they gave this child a moment that they might not ever have in their life. And it was, a you know, it's one of those moments that you just, Everyone should be happy and cheering and excited and everything. But um, not everyone knows how much work goes into raising a child with special needs and how much time and sacrifice you give to help them learn just even the tiniest skills. And so from my mindset of raising my daughter and my husband as well, we both felt like her getting this free home run after working so hard this whole season and making some improvements in in playing softball was it wasn't right and we we kind of feel like she should still earn what she gets you know um she's not so uh, low functioning that she can't earn things and and I'm totally fine with her not ever getting a home run in her life i i have the viewpoint of i want her to earn everything that she gets no matter how big or how small. And so, um, but I do see this, this whole, you know, giving her a home run thing as just a really nice gesture on the other team. You know, the coach was of course trying to show good sportsmanship and teach his girls a lesson about how to be kind to somebody who's different. And, and maybe that's something else that also bothered me that, you know, instead of even considering how high or low functioning she was, they just assumed that, 
she might be really low. And now we're just going to do this for her and, and make the parents happy and her happy. And, you know, everyone's going to have this big moment, but, um, you know, I can't blame them. They, they were doing something noble and, and kind in their, in their eyes. And it was just, for me, it was a really good learning experience because, I mean, you've heard of, I've heard of this happening before, you know, I mean, maybe not giving a home run, but maybe like electing somebody to be the prom queen or king, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that, where they might not otherwise get this opportunity, but they do it to be nice. And I, you know, I always think those are really great, but what happens to your own child, it, it was really interesting how I reacted to it. I had no idea that's how I would feel. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's just because, like I said, I've, I've, my husband and I have worked so hard to get her to where she is now and and um, to just hand her something felt like it was disregarding all that we had done. And of course, the other coach couldn't know that, but right. it's um, it's something that I think people need to know when when uh, when you're involved with a special needs child that they're all different. They all have different levels. They have different abilities and you shouldn't always assume that this is the right thing to do for them. And and even still, my daughter, Juliana, she didn't seem that excited about it. You know, she was just kind of like, I got a home run, you know, and, and uh, you know. So anyway, the whole experience just taught me a lot about how I felt as her mom and how how I viewed her and, and how much I really did value uh, still just the hard work that we, we do for mm-hmm. her and, and help her with. So that's my viewpoint. Not everyone will agree with me, but <laughs> that's how I feel and I'm going to stand by it. I also wondered if Juliana was aware that the home run was sort of handed to her. I, you know, that is something I'm not really sure about. And the thing is, I can't always describe things like that to her. There's, there's like certain gaps in her ability to understand things. And so I'm, I'm not really sure if she completely understood what was happening in the moment. You know, she probably wouldn't have noticed that they were overthrowing the ball on purpose, even though they hadn't done it the entire game. So I'm not sure, but I know that she, she probably thinks she did get a home run and my husband and I didn't really clear that up for her, but you know, it is what it is. You know, we feel our way. She can feel however she feels though. She can't really express that as much to us. So I guess we'll just say that she did get a home run (laughs) (laughs) and that's fine. (laughs) Kira has been a special needs mom since day one. She's never known any different. So it's kind of hard to figure out how that's changed you as a parent. But I did ask Kira how this experience has affected her. Um, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually. it's um, One of my good friends has a son that's almost the same age as my daughter. And we say that um, um, her son and, and my daughter are going to get married someday. He also has special needs. We're kind of planning for this little future for them and they both think they're going to get married and it's really cute you know um and so her she and I were talking um about a week ago about this very thing and we both have gone through a lot of the same things for about the same period of time and and we both feel very like we were trying to pinpoint the word you know we're we're kind of like at the end of our rope like we're about to jump off a cliff. Like we're so, we're just always on edge. We're always 
tense. You know, it's just, I think what happens is when you raise a child with so many needs for so long, you get to a point where you're just spent, you're exhausted, you've given so much of yourself, and not just physically, but emotionally, because you are emotionally drained raising a child that has needs. And because I have three, you know, it's it's like times three. So the fact that I'm even here talking to you is like a miracle because like <laughs> I I don't know how I've gotten through all that I have. Um, you know, I just take things one day at a time, one minute, one hour. Um, and so it's just, I think... I'm hoping that I'll get past this little phase where I just feel so, oh, just exhausted. Just almost, sometimes I just feel angry a lot of the time and bitter a little bit. Just kind of bitter, you know, like, this is my life and I can't change it. And so right now I'm trying to learn how to get through that feeling and just get to a point where I can have more peace and more hope and more optimism because you know, feeling this way all the time is not good for me or anybody else. So, you know, I'm trying to, to get past that, but I feel like this whole journey of being her mom has been so up and down and because it's, um, asked so much of me, I'm now feeling like, can I keep going? You know, maybe I've reached the midpoint. I, you know, I'm trying to describe it the best I can, but I'm, I'm at this point where I know I have to keep going for, I don't know how much longer. And it kind of hits you one day that you've done this for so long now and, and you still have a long way to go and you have to dig really deep to find that strength that you had when you started because mm-hmm. it's it's not going to end. And so you have to, but after 11 years, you, oh man, you are so drained from everything. And so it's just learning how to jump in again with new eyes or new ideas and and not becoming so complacent, you know, and, and still trying to help them progress and achieve their potential, because that's really what I'm trying to do is, you know, I don't know how far she's going to go, but I'm just discovering along with her what talent she has, what skills, what abilities, and and building on those as much as I can. And um, that's, that's the challenge, I guess, is just being able to be aware of of what they will be capable of doing and pushing them as hard as uh, hard as they are able to go. And mm-hmm. so I think as a person, I really have, I'm not the same person I was when I got married, obviously I'm because I've had to fight so much for her and do so much. I'm, I'm kind of a, a tougher person, you know, I'm not uh, maybe as a kind or gentle person as I was because I've, I've had to really fight and really speak up and and um, and do a lot more than I ever thought I would have to do as a mom. But again, I just I want to get to where I can feel more peace and hope again because when you have a child that has needs, that hope is kind of taken away because you you suddenly realize that you don't know what their potential is anymore. You don't know how far they're going to go. And so you don't, you can't have the same hopes for your child as you might have a typical child. And, and so you have to reinvent that hope. You have to, you know, just be happy with whatever they're able to do. And that's really hard to do mentally. I think as a parent to just change your whole viewpoint, your whole outlook. And, and um, I really am in an angry, bitter phase and I need to get out of it because 
I can't last much longer like this. I think as parents, we all know how important it is to take care of ourselves, but putting that into practice can be a challenge. Kira's favorite outlets are working out, writing her blog, staying involved in her church, and date nights with her husband. Thankfully, they have a little help to make that happen. We have a respite worker that uh, we get 30 hours a month of babysitting, so we take advantage of that so I can just get away and breathe and not have to worry about everything that I worry about. Um, If I don't do that, I would not function at all. So there's a lot of great things that are given to you if you're willing to fight and and get them. And they, they come in handy so much because I don't think people realize how hard it is to do this. And um, they might think we're being spoiled, but really they're, they're like necessary uh, things that we need. Of course, it's not all hard. It's not all drama and sadness. There are plenty of joyful, happy, funny moments, too. You know, it's not all hard. You know, she's still funny. She still has a personality. She still has a sense of humor. You know, it's not like I'm always just like drowning in despair over here. It's still fun a lot of the time. You know, you have to make it fun or it would be a lot harder than it needs to be. Kira is a stay-at-home mom living in Southern California with her husband, Joel, and their three children. You can find her on the web at thespecialreds.blogspot.com. Today's episode was recorded and produced by me, Sarah Evans. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe in iTunes. And if you're feeling some extra love, leave a rating and review. For notes on today's show, visit our website, bringingupbetty.com slash five. You can follow Bringing Up Betty on Facebook, Instagram, and if you'd like to be the first to know when a new episode is released, join our mailing list. Visit bringingupbetty.com to sign up. If you're interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email at bringingupbetty at gmail.com. Soon I'll be starting a series of mini episodes focused on short stories and unique experiences. Maybe something like Juliana's softball game. If you'd like to share something short and sweet, please contact me. In particular, I'm looking for any stories related to the holidays. Maybe something funny, sweet, or scary happened the last Halloween, or Thanksgiving, or Christmas. If that's the case, email me to share your story. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.